powered by the Parade Deck Military Podcast Network, the Stars and Stripes Podcast brings you a weekly dispatch from the heart of the military community. Each week, we shine a spotlight on the courageous voices of top military podcasters, bringing you their untold stories, experiences, and insights. From the front lines to the home front, join us as we dive into the authentic narratives that embody the spirit and resilience of our armed forces. Stay with us for tales of valor, sacrifice, and the unbreakable bonds forged in service. This is where the military heartbeat meets the microphone. This week's playlist is brought to you by our premier sponsor, Navy Federal Credit Union, bringing financial security to our military community. Learn more on how you can enjoy member-exclusive perks. Now, on to our podcast. to the Course of Action podcast with me, Jeff Clark. My guest today is Eric Bishop, author and master of the band. He's a longtime thriller junkie turned writer, courtesy, forced beside him publishing. His debut book, The Body Man, is out now, and you can order it from all the major book retailers, including Amazon, Amazon Kindle, and of course, Barnes & Noble. It's my pleasure to introduce the newest author to the thriller genre, Eric Bishop. All right, guys, I'm here with Eric Bishop. Uh, Eric, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Wonderful to talk to you, uh, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, I know by the time everybody hears this, uh, the body man is going to be available for um, purchase online, uh, the ebook. Uh, you'll be able to order uh, paperback and hard copies also, hopefully. Uh, everything works out. And, uh, you'll be able to come through with an awesome book. Um, I thank you before we get started. Thank you for allowing me to read it ahead of time. Um, it was a huge honor and it was an incredible book to read. Um, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but first, um, you grew up and were born in Connecticut in the North. Yep. I'm a Yankee, (laughs) a Yankee living in the South. (laughs) And then you moved to the South. I'm a Red Sox fan. I, okay. I grew up Let's... between you were either a Red Sox fan or you're a Yankee fan growing up in Connecticut. And whichever oh, one I'm you sure. were, you hated the other ones. Yeah. So, boo Yankees, go Red Sox. That's my <laughs> so. I have a friend that was uh um he was born up around there, but he spent like his whole life there until he joined the military. And he was the same way. He is a Red Sox fan, you know. <laughs> Boston stuff till he dies, and you didn't talk highly about New York at all. <laughs> but I do love New York, and I want them to buy a copy of The Body Man. So you guys rock. Yeah, absolutely. Not a fan of the football <laughs> team, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved to the South, though. Yeah, so I came down here uh, during college years, and that's and then um, then I didn't want to stay in the South. Um, I wanted to head. I've always wanted to head west. I've always been a traveler. Um, mm-hmm. family kind of slowed that down a little bit as it normally does. But, uh, yeah, I've still, there's still part of me out West. I didn't, I reluctantly came back. Um, <clears throat> I would have stayed out there probably if it wasn't for family circumstances. So, uh, that's, that's where, I don't know. I think, you know, I've read a lot as a kid and, and, you know, traveled some as a, 
think the first time I went to California was 94. Yeah, 1994. Mm. Um, and just getting out there, it's just big country. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm used to growing up in the smaller. I didn't grow up in a city. Connecticut's definitely people. I think people do think Connecticut is a city. And you're like, no, man, my, my aunt had like six acres. I grew up on um, playing in a lot of land as a kid. And, you know, we were near New York and near Boston mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time in the cities. Sure. But it really was more of a, um, a quieter life lifestyle, really, of where we were. So, um, but yeah, just the big country really. Yosemite still to this day, I've been to 40, what am I at now? 45, 46, 45 states. Um, wow. A lot, all the Western states. Uh, yeah, Alaska, I haven't got to. Alaska was going to be my 50th, and it still might be. I just didn't, I haven't, you know, life interfered with those plans as it does. Mm -hmm. And um, But something about being out West, I still, I want to ranch out in Montana. You know, if I could hit, oh. if, if the book would sell oh. solid, shoot, I'd just buy 40 acres out there and go camp out there once a year and say, I got oh, yeah. in Montana. So, oh yeah, it's we'll see. beautiful country up there. Yeah. We just got out of uh, moving from Colorado and I was yeah. there for a little while. Golly, talk about beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and it's changed a lot probably while you were there. Cause I lived out in Denver uh, in Westminster and just, that was 2003, 2000, no, yeah, 2003, 2004. Um, and I went yeah. back uh, almost two years ago now um, for a long, a, a quick weekend trip. And I couldn't believe how much it had changed. I hadn't gone back because I had said, if I ever go back, ever fly back there, I won't go back. I'll, I'll get off the plane and stay. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, st I waited a while to go back and uh, I was surprised how much it had changed and just grown. Oh, it's huge. I mean, it was, we lived in Colorado Springs, but Colorado Springs had basically doubled in size. Mm -hmm. And even during the pandemic, I was reading in the newspaper one day and they said Colorado Springs issued over 400 construction permits during the pandemic, which was like triple yeah. their annual average growth was just exploding. Like if there was a piece of land or a green piece of grass around retail that wasn't being built on, there was a plan to do it. To do it. Rest assured. That was not a vacant lot. <laughs> Somebody owned it and there were plans because it was just booming, mm -hmm. absolutely booming. And I see why. It's a huge tourist destination. It's yeah. a beautiful country. It's beautiful I mean, you country. can't you can't be mad. I mean, I don't know how people could be mad living there. Like I stepped out my front door every morning <laughs> in Pikes Peak and the Rocky Mountains were yeah. right there. Like you can't be mad at that. I don't know how you could. But um yeah, we loved it. I mean, we we're talking, oh yep, we're gonna buy a cabin up there one day, and that's gonna be our little retreat because that was one of the most beautiful places on earth. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And now I still have a lot of fond memory. I spent a lot of time on the weekends going up to Rocky Mountain National Park, um, mm -hmm. hiking a lot of my own, even um, on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, Yosemite, though, is where, so Yosemite's, I think probably why Yosemite is on the top of the list is because first time I went is in 2014 and I finished my first novel there. Um, I stayed there an entire day and I was only, I wasn't an overnight. It was a quick trip there. Actually. I got there early, early in the morning and I wrote, and I, at that point I had planned out enough where I knew where I was going with the last couple chapters. So I sat at the base of lower falls for several hours till my butt hurt. And then I went to the cafe to get my battery recharged and wrote a little bit there. And then I went out towards, uh, Merced Grove and, um, I finished writing the novel there and, I was hooked. I've been back four yeah. other times, I think, and I've done some writing there. Never as, not as much, but I've done a lot of overnights now. And, uh, 
I'll actually want to have a, a, a writer's retreat there one weekend. Some hey, would that be cool? Years. That would be cool. Um, it's the most amazing place. And there's really a lot of amazing. Uh, we live in a blessed country. It's a lot of cool places, but Yosemite's got me probably because of finishing that book there. It will have me. I'm, I was going to take my kids this year and with COVID, there's still a lot of restrictions. And I said, mm -hmm. I'm paying that much money to go out there. I'm not going out there and have things closed or you can't go here. Oh, yeah. Trails no. not available. I'll wait another year and hope, uh, hope that things kind of return to a level of normalcy before we go out there. Cause I want my kids to see it. Uh, they've seen pictures. Oh, yeah. like, oh dad, that's, that's cool. That's pretty. And I'm like, it, that picture looks like a <laughs> yeah. dog poop compared to what you see. And it's yeah, a beautiful it picture, does, but it's so does no justice. Yeah, yeah. It never does. It never does. So flash forward a handful of years mm -hmm. and now you're staring at a publishing contract Yes, sir. and the dream of becoming a novelist and an author is coming to fruition. It's becoming reality. Mm -hmm. What, what, what inspired you to start writing in the first place? Where did you, where'd you get that from? Sorry, you cut out for a second. I didn't hear the end of the question. Oh, so, so what inspired you to start writing? What, what got you is what, what made Eric say, you know what? Yeah. I could write a novel. Um, probably insanity, I guess most people would say, but I don't agree with that. No. Um, <laughs> so I wrote, you know, I wrote in college and I actually started with poetry. Um, I was a huge Shakespeare fan. I've got the complete works here back behind me, the leather works. Um, and so I started writing poetry, um, which is an abomination. If I look at them now, I did look at them not that long back. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I thought I knew it. Yeah, they rhymed. But uh, what in the world? But but it started that creativity. So that yeah. turned into then starting to write stories. And, um, uh, you know, I, I've got so the body man's my fourth completed novel i've got three others that i'd love to do something with i know some people say well and i do think that they were those first three novels really were kind of my apprenticeship to learn what i was doing because i didn't have a clue what i was doing in 2014 that i finished that first novel in yosemite and i thought well damn this is the best novel ever written <laughs> but yeah. it got my passion going because for ever since college i was writing but i was never finishing anything so I have a I have a folder on my computer. Um, I have one called books, and under that I have folders for all the current stuff and the three books I finished, and probably six other books that are at least dreamed up or in some process. Um, so there's a bunch of folders on that one. Well, I have another folder called old books, and old books is what I started after college up until about 2014. Um, and what I found with those, Jeff, is that Eric never completed what he started. Um, mm. and you know, I've got one that's, I think 40,000 words, you know, when I looked at it, it was pretty big, but I, I found a pattern of just never sticking with something. So when I came up with that idea for that story, I finished, um, uh, called vengeance, um, that I finished in 2014 in Yosemite. And I, I wrote three in that series. Um, but when I came up with that one, my main goal was to finish this novel. You've never done it before. You've always given up or whatever, not, not giving up because it was too hard, just got distracted, put it aside. So, oh, I got, I'd always be a, I'm always been a dreamer. So it, well, that's a good story, but this next one's the better story. So I put that one mm -hmm. aside and I'd go to the next one. Um, so that's when 2014, I just said no. And, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to write a novel. I, I read a lot. So the feedback I had got from folks that read it, that first novel said, you know, this is very Clancy-esque, which is a huge compliment. Not to say yeah. it was Clancy's uh, level of, of expertise, but 
it had the feel of a Clancy novel, which was, mm -hmm. I was writing what I knew. I was writing right. what I had read from teenage years since my dad gave me my first Clancy book and I was like, my eyes were opened. Um, but I tried to write it more in a Flynn style as well, which, you know, Clancy was a master and he, he's on my, you know, he's on my Rushmore, but, and, and his stories always kept me hooked, but mm -hmm. they were huge stories. So Vince yeah, comes in years later, I think Vince's first book got published or traditional published. I know he did his first one, smaller publisher, but his first traditionally published book, I think was my, think my senior year of college or junior year of college. I was, I was getting into college, but so he took what Clancy did and he made it more compact. So a Clancy book is, you know, this tall. Oh, yeah, it's it's a telephone book. book. Is, is that tall, you know? And so he, yeah. <laughs> he made everything concise. Um, yep. And he always left you wanting more at the end of every chapter. So I tried to model it after that when I was writing those first books. And even now still, um, you know, Tom and, and Vince are both in my acknowledgements. They'll never get to see them. Um, but right. I'm writing these books because of them. And, um, you know, the fact that, Kyle Mills has kept that going. Uh, the fact that I interact with yeah. Kyle sometimes, that's the cool yeah. thing. It's like, I, I got a message from the guy that writes Vince Flynn's, you know, series. That's yeah. What an incredible job too. Um, so it's a really cool thing, but yes, yeah, so that's really what got me, got me going and got me, got me believing that the belief thing, I, the, what I try to tell people and is if you, especially since I finished the first one is if you start it, finish it. Um, even if it's only for yourself, don't sure. I, I write stories for myself. It's, it sounds selfish in a way, but I don't write stories to please Jeff. I don't write s stories to please Kyle or any of these other authors or, or fans. I write stories that I want to hear and I want to read. Um, and I hope they resonate with other people, but if I can make something I like, then I figure, well, there's maybe a good chance other people will like it too. Cause I don't understand uh, writing something if you don't like it or it's not your genre. I, I I would do a, I would fail at that pretty bad. But. Yeah, I, I would never go try to write like a like a young teen novel, mm -hmm. you know, that seems to be kind of booming right now. I would never go try to do that. I would never go try to write, you know, a corporate marketing book when you know I I don't know. I've only scratched the surface of marketing, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd stick to kind of what I know and what I enjoy, right. and you know, and and. and ex kind of, you know, expand from there. And you, you answered my next question, which was yeah, who were sorry. the big influencers, but it's fine. You know, um, obviously Clancy Clancy was one of mine too. You know, the yeah. hunt for red October is like one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he, he was huge during the nineties cause it was just Clancy everything. You couldn't turn around and see Clancy on something in the media. You know, mm -hmm. he was everywhere. Um, but you know who I really liked, um, outside of, in the bigger thriller genre was like sure. John Grisham and Michael yep. Crichton. Absolutely. You know, those Michael, were got both of them in my shelf as well. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I love, and I'm a true crime junkie. Like mm -hmm. I binge watch it on Netflix more than I would like to admit. Yeah. Um, but I just, I love it. I love the storytelling of it all. And, um, that's Are really kind of motivated me. Michael Conley. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, uh, I have watched some of that. Um, I, I enjoyed that. The books um, are really good too. Titus, Titus, are they? The, Titus does the. Uh, if you do the audio books, that's the only way I've actually done Conley's books is uh, or his uh, um, his Bosch series is I've got uh, the I'm to try books. that. And Titus, well, it's cool because I've seen the series, and then you're hearing Titus read the the books, and it feels like 
it's just an extension of the of the movie versions that that occur. So yeah, it's really well. That's cool because a lot of times, well, well, that's good because a lot of times you know you get the book and then you get the movie and you go, ah, <laughs> uh, uh. so if you can if if you can go from the series to the audiobook yeah. and you can say that they've done something, they've because, done something well, yeah. Boy, that's hard. It's hard to take, especially like a Clancy novel. Yeah. 700 something pages and you got to turn that into an half hour movie. Well, yeah. a good thing for streaming services now because they can, they can do certain, you know, mm-hmm. a series. And I think that's going to be way better. Like when, when Jack Carr said he was going to do the terminal list series, I was going to thank God because if it was just a movie, yeah. I was like, I don't know. But it's a series, and you can really get into detail yeah. about that. Whew, that's going to be killer. I just, I'm looking forward to it so much. Yeah, so am I. Absolutely. So, so I. yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, and most most books that get adapted to film are not as good as the books. Uh, the Harry, you know, I like the Harry Potter series uh, books. I've done the books, and I've really, and they changed a lot, obviously, for the movies. But I thought the movies were well done. But I think those are the outliers, you know, most of you know, they just yeah, did that's the remorse. 1% of the 1%. It is. Yeah. That without remorse was done recently, which was a, a fantastic, one of my favorite Clancy books. Yeah. Um, and you know, I talked to some people before I watched it and they're like, it's not the book go in thinking of no. it as it's something else or yeah. you will not be very happy. Um, yeah. So, and I do get that things don't, uh, even Jack has said that for the terminal list, you know, they've made changes. Um, but of course, the changes they've made, they've kept, as far as I'm aware, they've kept Jack in the process of reviewing stuff, of going through. I think Chris has kept him pretty well involved from from yeah. the interviews I've seen with Jack, at least. So that's a big deal because a lot of times the authors are, you know, they'll buy your rights and then you don't exist. They don't care about your opinion. They don't oh, no. care what you think. They buy the rights to that no. story and it gets changed. You know, it's no, not you don't even get invited to set, let no. alone right. be consulted so the fact right. that jack is on set and obviously having a hand in it is incredible because that's going to, and i think jack carr mark my words right now jack carr will change the way authors are involved in filmmaking i hope so be- because of how involved i've seen him be and i don't know him personally but i've just seen what he's posted and i think I think he would change that for everybody because it's going to lend. And if the terminal list is successful, like the book is, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it will be, he's going to lend a level of credibility that nobody knew was there. Yeah. And people are going to look, I think producers are going to look at authors differently and they're going to say, well, they might be my greatest asset to this production. Oh. Yeah. Why well, would I got- cast them out? He's got such the experience in that, in what he wrote. Oh, um, yeah. Where he lived that background. So having someone, him, someone, someone, someone of his caliber on the set and kind of giving you a yay or nay is invaluable. Um, oh, yeah. Versus if you're, you know, if you're writing a book about the FBI and you know nothing about the FBI, but you wrote a good book, it was a good thing, but, you know, you weren't a former agent that might be a harder sell to say, well, you need to have him on set. Well, he didn't do any investigations. He's not familiar with all the terminology outside of what he studied to, to maybe, you know, put down, a, you know, put a book down. 
So, but yeah, it's going to be, I'm looking for, he's keeping it close to the vest of when it's coming out. And, uh, man, he sure is. <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's smart on his part because it mm. builds the anticipation. So it's a, it, he is a marketing team in and of himself. And, uh, I have interacted with him a little bit. Uh, I've met him several times. I've spent some time with him and, uh, um, he, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's one of those people you meet that's just super encouraging to other authors and a lot of authors are. Um, but he's just one that I've interacted with. That's always been like, stay the course, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to make it. Um, and positivity like that resonates and it helps other authors. And that's, that's kind of what I try to offer as well in a, in a much smaller, uh, scope, uh, cause I don't have a fraction of his audience. Um, but that's where I go back to saying, when I try to talk to other authors of first thing you can do, you know, how do I write a book? Well, first thing is start writing it. Um, mm -hmm. and that's easier said than done, but it's actually not that difficult if you can communicate. If you have the ability to type, you can start telling a story. Um, can you write a full novel? Yes. Anyone, anyone without ability that I just said can also write a full novel. Can you write a good novel? Well, now we're getting to a different subject. Maybe not, but can you write something that you can finish? Absolutely. The only way you yeah. won't finish is if you quit. And that's what yeah. I tell my kids all the time. Whatever it is you're going to do, just try it. If you try soccer and you don't like it, Hey, you don't have to keep playing soccer. Uh, my mm -hmm. son's huge into karate um, and he loves it. And, you know, I, we bring him three days a week to practice uh, for, for karate and he's diligent about it. And it's such a great thing for him to be involved with. Um, and if he wanted to quit karate, which he won't, but if he wanted to quit, I wouldn't fault him for that. Cause I was like, well, you tried it. You gave your best and it wasn't for you. Um, and, you know, that's what I try to encourage other authors is just finish it, finish it for yourself. Finish it to prove that you can actually complete something you started. Right. Then you can start the conversation of, can I get this thing? Can I get an agent? Can I get this edited? Can I get it published? All that. That's not your primary concern. When you start writing that first word, whatever it is, your first word is to write the end when you're done. That's right. all you have to be concerned. And whether that takes you two, three months, two, three years, you start it, finish it. Well, there's so many tools out there now um, at people's disposals, yeah. you know, to get, you know, you, don't worry about all that stuff because it's out there. So if you right. pitch it for a year and nobody's picked up on it, you know what? Save your pennies, hire an editor, mm -hmm. um, get somebody to do some graphic design for you, invest the money in it yourself, publish it, be your own marketing machine. There's people who have done it and become bestsellers. So, Yes. You know, it wasn't like 10 years ago where your only real option was to find a publisher. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of tools out there now. And so as you're, you know, saying start and finish, you know, you're on the tail end, you finish. The body mm -hmm. man is done as a done deal. I mean, we're two days I away from releasing. <laughs> no. Um, when I, people I hear this, on social media a couple weeks ago that said that. Yeah. I, I have no longer, I, I, I did my job. It's done. I can't make changes. I, that book, and I, I do think this, that book's not mine anymore. That book is anyone that wants to buy it on, yep. on the 11th going forward. And um, that was a little bit of something to get my head over or head around, but I'm. that's what I wanted. Um, and guess what's not anybody else's? Breach of Trust, the next book. I still got that. I can do whatever the hell I want with that one. And at some right. point, I'll hand that one over to the publisher and guess what? It won't be mine anymore. It'll be everybody else's that wants to purchase it. And then I'll be on the third book. And that's the plan. The master plan is 
churn. You know, I got three in various forms. Two of them are pretty decently along, and one is a mm -hmm. dream. Uh, it's for my dad, actually. That one will be named after uh, uh, something with my, for my dad, and that one started. Um, but and then, I, like I said, I got those original ones that I wrote three out of seven. I'd like to go back and polish those if I ever can at some point, and then finish what I started with the other storylines because I think those would be good ones as well. Um, and I haven't read them in a few years, so I might change my tune when I read them. Like, oh man, what was right? That? Um, but right. anything can be fixed. And that's the other thing, as you were saying, um, is get that first draft done because most most authors will say their first draft was crap. Um, mm -hmm. And it needed a lot of help. So get the first draft out, and you're right. There's so many resources out there. Um, also, though, be I also the other thing that I would throw out there as a caveat is there's a lot of resources out there, but be careful because there's a lot of sharks out there. Like any time yeah. when you throw yeah. a little chum in the water, sharks are going to come. And you know, I've just heard too many stories over the years of people charging little and a lot for stuff and not delivering. So I'm, I'm fortunate I did not go down that path as some other authors yeah. have and wasted a lot of money and had nothing to show for, little to show for. Um, but yeah, I did definitely do your research. Yeah, do your research. Um, I did hire an editor before I got with Force Poseidon. So the book that I ended up selling to them had been professionally edited. And I, it, I the editor I got was through a friend who's a, um, a best-selling author who recommended someone. And I was very happy with it. was fa very fair priced. Um, and I was happy with the results. And that I think is what led to me getting that book published was I wasn't, you know, just using Grammarly and other online resources. I actually had a, you know, to some degree polished manuscript that I could then float out there and to try to get sold. So was, I think that was a huge plus. So let's talk about, so the ink is dry on the contract. Mm -hmm. You have a deal. Um, now the manuscript is has a value. It's worth something because you know you got a contract on it. Now you have to go through the process of getting it ready for publishing day. What is that like? You know, because you said you had a polished manuscript, but what happened once you turned it over to the publisher and said, "Okay, well, let's get rolling on this." What what happened next? Yeah. So the next step is they start going through their editorial process and they make changes and they, you know, as polished as it is. And even after it was polished, um, I did go back and make changes because when I started going through the agent process, um, agents, you know, would give their advice. I had a lot of requests for full manuscripts, um, but they point out things. So I went back myself um, and went back and made a lot of changes. Um, that was an interesting process, though, in and of itself, because what I've learned through this uh, ordeal, you could say, or the, the learning curve of this, is that it's so subjective. So you'd have one agent reply back and say, man, this is a really good story, but the dialogue, just not connecting with the dialogue, not connecting with these characters. And then you'd get an email from, you know, a week later from another agent, and they'd be like, you know, the dialogue's really good on this, but I'm, I'm not really connecting with your story. And you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Out of these two things, that they're not going yeah. the same direction. So at some point, you kind of take all the criticism or the constructive cr criticism you receive, and then you just have to make a decision of what do I change and what do I don't. I used a lot of beta readers for mine, um, including some authors whose opinions I respected. And um, one, one author in particular was super, super helpful and basically been a mentor to me. And his feedback really is the reason I'm sitting here talking to you. 
Um, he really got me on the straight and narrow and helped turn a good book into a better book. Um, but yeah, so once I hand it off to the publisher, then they, then they do their thing. And of course they come back with you with edits and, you know, yay, nay on, and you have a couple, you have some opportunities to basically make your changes. And then, uh, and it happens so fast, you know, it's, 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 yeah. it was over about an eight month period, which is faster because it was a smaller publisher. So I had a little bit of a quicker turnaround, um, than some people I, I, saw something the other day it was on social media of course and it was someone had signed a book deal and the book wasn't coming out till 2024 and i was oh. just i read it and i was like that's three years i mean yeah i'd hate to think how many things that are in the body man that three years from now i'd want to tweak a little bit just because of technology mm -hmm. or uh because of what's going on in the world and and that's always a dangerous thing um because yep. you're writing in a world you're living in but you don't know how the future is going to change yeah um, absolutely I, I will say I had a reference in there to a um, professional athlete that is no longer with that professional team. Um, and I had it in there for a reason. And that was one of the things that I had to get back with the publisher and said, hey, well, that part here, I think the team <laughs> quick, out. Quick change. Like, There's a game <laughs> going on tonight. I don't want to say what teams are playing because it's no longer accurate. And <laughs> the player's mm -hmm. not there anymore. Um, so it kind of lesson learned too, for me of going, okay, future novels, be specific on certain things, but, uh, um, you know, Tom Brady might not play for a team the rest of it until he's 60. Like he thinks, um, <laughs> and, uh, don't put Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You put the Pats in the first one. Don't put Tampa Bay in the second one. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so by the time people re uh, listen to this, you know, the body man's going to be available for purchase. Mm -hmm. It's going to be released. Um, you know, obviously you pitched this for like two years. Um, you really worked on it. It's not the first completed novel. You know, you have other ideas, you know, locked up in the vault. Um, but what go, go through the emotions of you got the body man. Mm -hmm. There you go. You, you got, got the con. Yeah, I got the card. With the autograph. <laughs> um, what was what's what's been your emotion like over the last month? Because pre-sales for the ebook started in like October, and started a while ago. Um, yeah, a while ago. And as you got closer, final edits, you know, mm -hmm. crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and we're we're literally a couple of days away. What have the emotions been like over the last month, knowing it's coming finally? Yeah, um, in it's a hard one to answer. In general, excitement, um, really mm -hmm. gratefulness. That's the one. You know, it's hard. You work, and, and I'm not the only one that's done this. Uh, clearly, you've written. You know, uh, you work so hard at something, and to actually see it come to fruition. It's difficult. I, I, I actually put something on Twitter this morning. I was out for an early morning walk. And I've had that question a lot this week just from people like, hey, how are you feeling? And I don't know how to answer that question. I, I tried to convey my feelings and my acknowledgments is, is what I put on Twitter this morning in a video. And not being aloof with saying that, but um, to me, it's mainly been gratefulness and humbleness, uh, being humbled by the experience because um, this Yes, I wrote the book. Yes, this was my dream. This was my concept. I came up with um, the plot points and the characters and all that. But there's so many people along this path that have, even before I wrote this book, that have helped me get to this spot. Um, you know, my dad, 
my dad is the one that handed me my first Tom Clancy book. If dad didn't do that, I don't know if I would have written books. Um, mm -hmm. My mom, this book is dedicated to my mom. My mom is, you know, she's my mom. She's the greatest support system I had in my life. Um, and everyone's mom's is typically their greatest support system. And yep. I said, well, I've got kids and book two will have to be dedicated to them because book one's going to be my mom. Cause you know, when I went to my first conference and I was like, holy blank, look how expensive this is. Guess who stepped up and paid for the conference? Mom, mom stepped in and stepped yeah. up and paid for your conference. Um, and that helped open doors. And she's been the biggest support system that, you know, your moms always believe in you because they kind of don't have, and as a dad now, I, I understand that you kind of don't have a choice, but, but I do hear stories from people that say their families don't read their books. And I've had the opposite, um, experience. My family has been a huge supporter of that. And the acknowledgements was really a way to tell thank you. And that was, that was one of the first questions I had for the publisher. Um, cause I, I look at books and I don't judge this at all. So it's not a judgy thing, but first thing I normally do with a book always is look at the acknowledgements. Um, and I, to me can tell a lot about who they thank and why. And sometimes yeah. you can do that in a couple lines. If you've had 50 books out, you're not thanking, you know, your kitchen sink. I think <laughs> because the body man could be my only book out. I don't anticipate that to be the case. I have a three book deal, but the reality is I might get one shot and then everything else is me typing books and handing it to friends. So I said, well, if I get one shot, I want to be able to thank the people that are most important to me because I sincerely am grateful for um, their support and their encouragement. So, so I had a lot of fun with the acknowledgements. There's a yeah. lot of stuff in there that people might read and be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Someone knows what I'm talking about. Maybe not any yeah. of you, but someone knows what's in there. Every comment is specifically in there for a reason. Um, but it was yeah. my way of showing my my gratefulness and, and just being humbled by the process. So it's it's also like anything in life. You do it and the emotions do fade. You know, you have your first child and you're just you hold that child in your hand and it's an amazing uh piece of creation that you've created. Yeah. And, it's an experience. Oh, absolutely. But you know, after sleepless nights for a few weeks and all that, the, the joy <laughs> of it does fade a yeah. little bit where you're like, <laughs> do I got to clean this crap up every day? Yes. You uh, do. Yeah. Ooh, this thing every day. Nonstop. Uh, yeah. Like I'm not having another one. If this yeah, is exactly. the sleep schedule, <laughs> until you get the regular sleep schedule, people don't have another one. And then they forget. Oh, that, it was so cute to have a baby. Then they have oh, their second yeah. one. They're like, what the hell was I thinking? I know. This is torture. Suckered um, me in four times. Exactly. Four times it got me on that. Oh, before I, I, I finally had my daughter and I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure, I'm sure in the coming days and weeks that that excitement level will drop down. But I'm also hoping that excitement level um, carries over yeah, as keeps I going. continue to work on the second book. And then, you know, hopefully the sales on this are solid and uh, there will be a second book and there will be a fifth book and a seventh book and a 10th book. Um, I know how I won't have those if I quit, if I stop writing. And if I don't, you, you also have to believe in yourself. That's one thing. And, and I'm, you know, like most authors probably riddled with imposter syndrome. Um, but at the end of the day, you better have some confidence and you better have some thick skin. I'm, People say, don't look at your uh, um, reviews. Don't go to Amazon. Uh, you know, Jack Carr, we've used Jack as an example. Jack reads his bad reviews and makes. I love that. I'm stealing that idea from him 
when my stuff is on the shelves. That's the first thing I'm going to do because that is so cool. And I love, I love that he just shrugs it off and like it gives me confidence. It makes me go, Oh, yeah, man, this, this cool. dude don't care at all. He only cares about the people Absolutely. who enjoyed it. And, and I think I would say 90% or more of the bad comments yeah. are from people that really have no business commenting. It's like they came on there to comment and it's like, I don't, did this guy even read the book? He's just talking trash just to, just to, yeah. He just feels grumpy that day. Like it's in no, like, or complaining, like the dust cover on my book, um, came torn. That's not Jack Carr's fault. That's Amazon or mm-hmm. whoever shipped it. Like that's not his fault. Why you went and wrote a negative review because the dust cover is shipped. Jack didn't send it to you out of his garage. Guys, sure. like, you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like, let's be. (laughs) I don't get that. I've never left a negative. I've left a lot of reviews. I've had some books I've not written reviews on because I didn't have anything nice to say. And my mom did. Sure. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Agreed. Um, But yeah, I don't get that. Well, and I think that, though, kind of brings us into the internet to have that conversation. But social media, the, the age of information that we live in. Um, the anonymity that people can post online creates a lot of yeah. people who think they're heroes, that they can say whatever they want. There's no consequences. Uh, and, yes, these keyboard commandos. Yeah. I think that's where that comes from. You know, when you can insult someone and I can say, you know, Jeff Clark's a jerk. Well, you know, I say it with anonymity because I have a little emoji as my thing and my name's is, you know, fart whisperer or whatever. Who knows? <laughs> who are you going to come gonna back to the fart whisperer because he called you a jerk or something? Yeah. I mean, come on. But, um, yeah. Thin-skinned people that don't have the courage to finish books or anything else tend to say things. Um, you know what? Finish something. Work hard at something. Yeah. And then still shut your mouth if someone works hard. You don't need to, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. I think Mike Tyson said it. I think I heard him say, um, Social media made a lot of y'all not scared of getting punched in the face because, mm-hmm. you know, before social media, you watched, you watched what you said to folks. You didn't have a loose okay. tongue. You didn't pop off because you didn't know who's going to step up to you and call your bluff. Like, oh, you're a tough guy. Well, maybe I'm tougher. But now, yeah. like you said, social media. In, in a way, it's a celebration of freedom of speech, but it's almost been exploited sure. to the point where it's like, okay, there's some things you should not say, yeah. and there's some people you should not say it to, and mm-hmm. you can lose credibility just as quick as you can gain it, maybe yeah. even faster. Maybe you can faster. lose it. Um, yeah. So you have to really be careful, and it's it's just one of those things where you know I don't understand. Like I'm with you. I've I've read some books before that I was like I'm just not going to write a review on this because mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling it. It's not that it's bad. It's that I didn't like it. It right. doesn't mean the world won't love it. Correct. I didn't like it. There's a couple of thriller authors authors out there that people are absolutely in love with. I, I just can't get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, no. if everybody bought your book, you'd sell 330 million books here in the United States alone. That's not the case. I'm okay with that. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like 10% you know, of that. Hell, I'll take 1% of that. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, 
Let's talk about the Potty Man specifically. Obviously, we don't want to give too much away because people need to go buy it and they need to go uh, check it out. Um, but I love, I love the synopsis that you teased for the book. And it's who protects the president, the Secret Service, who protects the office of the president, the Body Man, and he's finished without a trace. And I think that is just so incredible. And I love the way it sets it up. Um, but let's talk about the body man specifically now that it's about to be out. And by the time people hear this, you know, it will be out. Have you ever needed that shot of jolt, that energetic pickup? Well, call sign coffee absolutely has that for you. Use discount code Clark 10 C L A R K the number 10 while you're checking out at callsigncoffee.com, 10% off your entire order. With the exception of gift cards, the whole order, 10% off. I can recommend it highly. I really enjoy Call Sign Coffee, especially their new hot cocoa that just came out. Call Sign Coffee is veteran-owned, military spouse founded and operated. It's like no other. It's an excellent coffee company. Again, discount code Clark10, C-L-A-R-K, the number 10. Get you a 10% discount between now and the end of 2021. Go check them out, callsigncoffee.com. All right, so let's talk about the body man. Um, obviously, don't want to talk about too much. Don't want to give it away because people need to go buy it. But um, surrounded in secrecy, uh, Don Bentley gave the first like endorsement review saying it was going to keep you guessing until the last page. I can confirm from reading it that it absolutely does that. Um, five-star book, in my opinion, it reminds me of, um, that crime novel, like John Grisham, the firm, the Pelican brief, um, the cool. night agent by Matt Quirk is, uh, okay. is what it reminds me of. Um, and, and those are all huge compliments because I love those books. Um, but the body man is very interesting because it's very very kind of dramatic in its title. What the heck is the mm. body man? Why would somebody call their book the body man? What what the heck does it mean? And I loved it because halfway through the book, you still don't know what this body man is. Like, what is it? Who is it? It's it's just it's just out there. It's so, but you have this great story with this character of Eli Payne, um, his partner Cat Stone. Um, Government officials are involved. Um, mm -hmm. Multiple agencies start to get involved. The story starts moving, picking up um, even more steam than already had. Who is Eli Payne in Eric Bishop's mind? You know, how did you create the character? Yeah, so that character, he was he was one of the fun ones because I wanted someone. I, I knew the background of what I wanted him to have come from. I wanted him, and, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s, so I uh, watched a lot of uh, uh, buddy cop movies where there was animosity between the characters, and, and I'm sure that bled into my storyline. I, I wanted to do it where you had a, um, not older, you know, probably around, probably close to my age, honestly. I didn't really give him a set number of age, but I had an age range. Um, but an older agent, nobody really wants to work with. You know, he kind of likes to do things on his own. He doesn't want a partner. And, you know, what's the best thing to do is you put him with this fresh out of Quantico agent 
who's totally wet behind the ears, but she's not a pushover. She's not an agent coming no. in there that's going to say, yes, Eli, whatever you want. No, she, you know, she's giving Eli the bird, you know, she's going to give it mm -hmm. right back to him. And um, yeah, I wanted a strong female character that could, um, yeah. that could take it and could give it right back. And I, they, they were really fun to write for. And I toned a lot of it down. Um, I took a lot of stuff out over the course of edits and all that even, and I tried to leave in that good meat, but I tried to leave in a lot of sarcasm. Um, mm -hmm. the greatest compliment I get for those two characters is when people have read it like advanced readers and, and, um, beta readers and stuff. And they're like, I felt like I know them and I could see people having those exact, you know, when, when, uh, when he peels out of the garage and he's playing white snake and, you know, or she's mm -hmm. saying that's, his, that's her dad's music and it pisses him off even more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. I could see that occurring. I mean, I saw it occurring in yep. my head as I wrote it, honestly, but, uh, yeah, they're really, and there, there are characters too, that I, uh, um, I definitely have aspirations to, um, do something else with them. I have, I have another story for them, honestly, that I've started, um, not the sequel to this book. Uh, but I do have another story that I have begun for them. And, uh, yeah, they're, they were fun to write. All the characters are always fun. Um, but your main protagonists and your main antagonists are normally the ones that keep you typing every night, keep you hammering away on those keyboards. Those keys. But I, I really like the the relationship that Eli and Kat have. Mm -hmm. um, I love the back and forth. I, I felt the same way. I felt like I knew them. Um, but I also felt I felt the youngness of the relationship, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it is because he kind of just gets tossed her yeah. um, as as things start. And I thought that was really cool. I felt it. I felt it like exactly how you just described it. I, I read it like that. Like, oh, you know, she's not some pushover. No. She's not, you know, but she is a rookie. She is new. Mm -hmm. He's obviously kind of a grumpy old veteran, but <laughs> he's still he's still sharp. Yeah. He's still got some tips and some tricks. He's going to teach her some things that he did yep. the whole course of the whole book. He was teaching her lessons yes. and he was learning from her, too. And you kind of saw that character evolvement of him towards the end of the book, you started seeing where they really meshed well together. So I really liked how you, you did that relationship. I thought it was a fantastic. Um, and I can see how they're only going to grow more. Yeah. So I, I'm, I would love to see, you know, more books with those two, especially if that's the dynamic they're going to have mm -hmm. and it's going to grow, it's going to be incredible. And I like a good, strong female character too, because yeah. I think it's, it's very important to, you know, kind of have that, that role. But it, I think it gives a lot of dynamics to um, the story, the relationships, and what you can do. Um, it really builds it up. But what I want to know is where did the idea for the body man come as far as the, the concept of that person? Not sure. the book, the, the person, role. the body man, the role. Yeah, yeah exactly, the role. Yes, yeah, so... Um it came a long time ago, not, not, not super long. I was working on a different book. I was finishing up an earlier book and, um, I was doing a cleaning job. So, you know, you got a family of four and you got to pay the bills. So I had an office that mm -hmm. I cleaned on Friday nights. I'd get up there with some food and on the drive up that night, I was like, man, I just, I need something new. What's that next thing I'm chasing. 
And uh, I walked in the, the building that night, turned the alarm off, and it wasn't a voice in my head, but I had this thought run through my brain is there's always someone who knows where the body is buried, um, which immediately I thought of a mafia book. And immediately I discarded that and said, I'm not Italian. I'm not writing a mafia book. But, <laughs> but I tried to answer my own internal question. Well, who would know where the bodies are? And I, my, my answer to that immediately in my head was, well, the body man would know. Very generic. Well, that triggered something in my brain of a news thing I had seen not that long back before that. And this was during the Obama, uh, towards the end of the Obama administration, that President Obama had a man that worked for him that the media dubbed the body man. And his name was Reggie Love, real guy. Um, I know, uh, I know a secret service agent that knew Reggie, um, found that, you know, years later, I cut that interaction. Never, I haven't interacted with Reggie, but I'd love to, I'd love to just say hi to him. Uh, maybe send him a letter or send him a book. Um, send him, yeah, send him a book. That, Dude, that, I wrote this cause of you. That, yeah, it really was, <laughs> but I didn't look into what Reggie actually did or what, and, and, and I didn't really care what he did. It was that title that I cared about. And, yeah. and you know, I've, I've, kind of glanced at it over the course of years or after the fact. And it's like, well, I think he held the president's Blackberry or they might've held his smokes or whatever. He was there to be the president's personal assistant, whatever president mm. Obama needed, the body man's there to take care of your needs, uh, to get you what you need, make sure you get to the next meeting, whatever it might've been. Well, to me, that was going gotcha. to be a boring story. Well, that's not the body. <laughs> You know, you can only run across the street to CVS to grab, you know, a pack of Marlboros so many times yeah. and make it. You can't, yeah. In DC, you might can't write over. a book about, yeah, can't write a book about the president's, uh, you know, gum guy, the okay. guy who has mints in his pockets ready. Probably not. Yeah. So, but <laughs> that got, you know, this was all during that cleaning, that three hour session. I, I, I ended up really coming up with the whole concept of the book in three hours, which was now years later when I think about it, uh, it was a gift. It was a gift from above is what it was. Yeah. especially since it's got published now. But um, but then my brain said, okay, well, what if I like that title? I like that role. And that became the book title immediately, The Body Man. And everyone I told to even years later, they're like, man, that's such a great title. And I'm like, well, I hope you like the actual book. Um, but I'm glad I did get a good title. Um, but It um, is a good title. It is a really good title. I know it's a good title. It, tell, it, it tells you nothing. But it intrigues the hell out of you to know yeah. what it's going to be. Like every time I heard it, ever ever since I first met you on Twitter and yeah. and got to know what you're doing, and that your your book was called The Body Man, I said, "What the hell is he writing? What is he writing? About? What what is that? Uh, what is the Body Man? Like what? Like it's just yeah. it's one of those titles that just it's a home run because it jumps. It out. tells you nothing." It jumps out at you and tells you it absolutely tells you nothing. nothing. And that's exactly what you want in, right. in a thriller title. <laughs> so I had to figure it out what was the body man. So then then my brain basically went to, well, what if there was a Secret Service agent that was refer just like with the um, with the real body man in, in, in the, with, under President Obama, what if the Secret Service had a guy they called the body man? But let's make this more interesting. What if his job is not to protect the president? What if his job is to protect the office? Um, and then I even went further down the rabbit hole and said, well, what if his job was to protect the office, maybe from the occupant at some point? Um, what mm -hmm. would this person's role do? How would they have power? Would they have power? And, you know, I had three hours to just flush that idea out. And most of the original ideas stuck with me. They make they ended up being in the final cut of I want someone in there that has no accountability that can. If in one instance, on one side of the hand, um, or one side, I've got my uh, 
got my challenge coin. So on one side of the coin, this person, this man or woman's job is to clean up if the president does something he or she should not do. On the other side, this person has the authority to come in and prevent the president from doing something, which to me was a game changer at that point. Cause I'm like, wow, that yeah. would be a lot of power for one person to have. And mm -hmm. um, which really then opened up the door for me for book two, which I'm writing now and book three is planned and book three, I take that concept and probably inject some crack into it. Um, I take it really like, whoa, we're going to blow this one up into a really cool idea. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, especially in Washington, Washington's a, I've spent a lot of time there over the years, but as a tourist, um, I've been, you know, done the White House tour three times. Um, one of my goals with this book is to get in the Oval Office. So if anyone has an inside track, get the body man with the real body man and let's see what the Resolute Desk really feels like. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I have a very, my, very meager bucket list, Jeff. I mean, come on. If you're going to, but I joke with people and say, you know what, if you're going to shoot, shoot for the stars. You know, yeah, go big or go home. Yeah, don't shoot for <laughs> just driving a Cadillac. Be like me, want yep. a Ferrari. You know, go for a Ferrari. <laughs> get a caddy, you know, these yeah. aren't that bad to get anymore. Um, but no, yeah. yeah, so what do I want to do with it? But with Washington having so much power, um, that creates a whole dynamic. And I can, you know, when I visioned it and I came up with the concept, I wanted the concept to be a role, not a person. And I say that because then I could maybe do backstory. So I had to come up with a backstory. Why did we start a body man character? Um, when did yeah. it begin? Um, I'll tell you this. I pitched this idea to an agent, a big name, a big name agent, New York Times, number one New York Times bestseller. I had an hour and a half with this agent. It just wow. worked out that way. And 10 minutes into this pitch, the agent kind of leans in close and says, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, of course. And they're like, so how did you find out about this role? And I knew, and I answered them truthfully, um, which I'm not gonna answer to you or anyone else, but I knew at that point I had them hooked. Now they didn't sign me um, and they had legitimate reasons and I learned a lot from that experience, but I knew at that point I had created something different. And that's what I wanted to do mm -hmm. was something that could get people's attention, but not gimmicky get your attention. Cause to me it's yep. about, I wanted to also, to some extent, um, you know, kind of be a conversation about where we are culturally, where we are politically. Um, you know, what do people feel about someone having that much power and having no accountability? Um, you know, we live in such a polarizing world right now, especially coming yeah. in the middle of still in the middle of COVID, um, mm -hmm. that there's opinions on everything. And, you know, I'm trying to stir yeah. the pot a little bit and make people think, um, especially now with uh, just the the state of affairs, the state of government, where we are, the, the political infighting, you know, I'm, I'm just turned 45. Um, I remember the first time I voted, which was, uh, 1996. Yes. 1996 first presidential election. Um, I remember who I voted for every time. Um, it's changed even in my lifespan politics, you know, um, Bill, yeah. Bill Clinton worked with Newt Gingrich they made deals happen. Now, I don't know if it's possible for any of these people to work together. Um, and it's not a knock at the Republicans and the Democrats. It's a knock at both of them that yeah. they can't find a way to even come up with just common sense. And, and that's what we need to get back to um, is, yeah, is, to get that, is to get that middle ground back because um, 
people believe a lot of different things. We all live in the same country. This is a great country and we all should have the opportunity to um, enjoy everything that can come from that. Well, and I like how it was a different way of reading um, a thriller because you had the main character of the body man, but you didn't have a name. Right. You didn't really know what the body man was until halfway through the book. And then you got a hint of it, mm-hmm. but you did know Eli and Kat and a bunch of other supporting characters that felt like main characters. Yes. So it was such a tease to who is the main character. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Eli and, and his partner, are kind of, they have the show. They're the main dialogue of the story. But the body man is always there. Yeah. You just don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what the role is. And you start to find that out. And then you start to find out the guy. And you get the name. And we won't say it here because I want to keep everybody <laughs> you know, guessing. But, th- but when you find that out, for me, when I found that out, it didn't feel as satisfying as I thought it would, because I still wanted to know more about the body. Man. Right. Like what you intended to do was establish it as a role worked. Well, at least for me, maybe I might be the only one, but it worked for me. Mm-hmm. You, you, you tricked me, Eric. Very good. Because that was the deal. I wanted to know, I was like, I don't care about his name. Okay. Yeah. We got his name now. Great. What the heck does he do? What right. is this? And it just kept going. And mm-hmm. I felt like the culmination of it was awesome because I read it. I finished it. I was like, this was excellent. What do you do next? Yeah, what do you do next? What is, what, what do you do next? What does the body man do next? Well, how do you do a sequel? How do you do, whoops, how do you do um, like a next one? So hopefully, you hopefully go? very, very easily. I think I've left the door open for a lot of different, um, yeah, a lot of different things. Then the next one does definitely go more global. Um, we have more international flair going on. Um, and, you know, there there might be some conflict starting because of this role and because of the events that occurred in the first book are setting up some pretty big uh, uh, battles for the second book. Um, but, yeah, no. That, the consequences are coming. Consequences always come, Jeff. They always come, no matter what in life. There's always a consequence. Every action has a reaction. Um, and, yeah, no, I had a lot of fun playing with that. And I... You know, I had at one point when I wasn't getting anywhere getting it published, I, I had an author that I really respect, very successful author, say, you know, I think you need to go rewrite the book, and it just needs to be just the body man. It needs to be just in the body man's perspective. Take Eli and Cat out, make them very minor characters, just stick with the body man. And this person had good reasoning. However, at the end of the day, I knew what the story was about and I knew what I needed to do to try to sell it. Um, and also to be satisfied with how the story went. And my intention from, yeah. from the get go was not to make the body man, the main protagonist And people go well, with a role like that. But I wanted this book the other books are going that direction. But with this book, I wanted to be of make it a mystery. Who is this role? And I wanted to, well, we need to find this person. Well, why do we need to find this person? Well, I needed two other strong mm-hmm. characters to go that path. I couldn't have had the body, you know, I'm not giving away where the body man is during most of this narrative, but if I had just taken it from that perspective of where the body man was, I think it would have been a boring book. Um, it wouldn't have been. I don't think it would have been nearly as mysterious no. 
and and page turning dramatic right. if it was just from his perspective the whole time you almost needed to have that side dialogue that yes. side story that is circling its way back around you know, you could tell from the beginning all roads were going to lead mm -hmm. to who the body man was and what the purpose of the body man in this world was for. Yeah. That question was left unanswered until the almost the very end. Right. Um, and, and you needed a way of circling back around, and I think I think you do. I mean, um, everybody has their opinion. Sure. Uh, obviously, um, I'm glad you didn't rewrite it and you kept it like this because, to me, it was. It was refreshing. This was a refreshing take on telling a story because a lot very crowded and, you know, convoluted thriller space right now. Sure. Everybody's writing CIA, CIA, this FBI, that spy, this, you know, you know, a lot of people are doing it and there's a lot of great work out there. Yeah. I'm not downplaying it at all. Trying to say anything negative. Um, but, you know, the reason, reason why I think T.J. Newman did so good with Falling was because it, was, it wasn't anything else. It was so refreshing right. to hear a story that hit so close to home. It was important to her because, you know, she was in the airline mm -hmm. industry and, and, and it got, I think she got laid off because of COVID and, and then went to go do the book thing. And um, I think it was just refreshing. And to me, when I read The Body Man, the first time I said, this isn't like anything else I've read, but it did again. Like I told you earlier, it reminded me of, uh, the firm yeah. and the Pelican brief, um, by, uh, John Grisham. That's what it kind of took me back to. And I thought this is so refreshing. Um, so I love the idea of the body man. Um, can you give me a hint and, and the, for those listening, where is breach of trust going? Yeah, so like I said, Breach of Trust is going a little bit more global. And um, in, in Breach of Trust, it's not that much of a mystery. Is There's going to be trust between individuals that is broken. Um, and, and it's not just one. It's, there's actually multiple people that, and those storylines are going to you know, intertwine back of how those breaches, how that um, difficulty in those relationships connect back to a bigger story. But, uh, um, so that one's been a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's a little slower writing than I have in the past, um, but I've also never been in the middle of trying to promote a book and have a book come out. So it's, uh, um, and you know, <laughs> I've got a family, I've got a full-time job. It's not excuses, it's just, I've worked on it. I, I wrote a really fun chapter. So I, I went to New Orleans back at the end of August. Uh, we were supposed to have a conference there about Shurkan, uh three or four weeks. I can't remember how far out they canceled it because of COVID. I had already reserved everything, prepaid the hotel, and I'm sure I could have got out of all of it because of COVID, but I had planned a chapter for, in particular, a breach of trust. I wanted to put a chapter um, in New Orleans and I knew what I wanted to write, but I didn't want, I'd never been to New Orleans in my life um, and, and I was going to go down by myself and meet a lot of other writers. And I decided, you know what? I don't want to Google Earth this. I don't want to take pictures of this location and put my head there. I want to sit there and write this chapter. And uh, um, yeah. so I did. I, I went down there. I actually was fortunate enough that I met um, Jack Stewart, who's an author. He's also a Navy pilot. Um, Jack was kind enough to pick me up at the airport, complete stranger, and drive me to the military base, the uh, Joint uh, Joint Base uh, New Orleans. Um, I got on an F-18 flight simulator. 
um, that they train in, uh, which was pretty amazing experience. I'll be telling, I told my kids and I'll be telling people that story for years. Um, and then, yeah, I got to hang out in New Orleans and write the chapter I wanted. And I fortunately got out of New Orleans right before Ida came in. And if I hadn't, mm. if I hadn't switched my flight, which I almost didn't do, um, when I finally got around to calling the airlines, I got the last, not the last flight out of the city, but the last flight they had availability on, I got on. Um, and That's close. I was very fortunate to have that experience and to get the heck out of there. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was fun. That was a, that was a chapter. I haven't gone back and reread that chapter yet. So I, I kind of sometimes do, sometimes <laughs> I wait till the end kind of depends. Yeah. Um, I'm also writing this one a little bit out of order. I've, um, I've, I've had some interactions with Kyle Mills and more so than not, I've watched interviews and read interviews and you know, he does not, first of all, he writes a 40,000 word uh, outline. So he writes a, a, more than a third of a book just for an outline, um, wow. which to me is Greek. Um, but he then will get up in a day and say, yeah, I feel like chapter 23. And so he writes chapter 23 and the next day, yeah, I feel like chapter 57. Okay. He writes chapter 57. Um, I've never done anything like that, but with this book, with breach of trust, I have been writing a lot of chapters out of order, which is extremely unusual for me. Um, some people might say red flag. Uh Oh, um, but after doing this and after this being what will be my fifth completed novel when I finish this one, I, it's yeah, it'll work out just fine. It'll be, it'll, I'll pull it together. I'll do what I gotta do. That's the other thing too. And it's not arrogance. It's not overconfidence. It's just writing the drafts to me are the fun part. I know some people hate that part from, from interviews I've seen um, where they just can't stand that first draft, man. I've never written a first draft and been like, Oh, I hated that experience. I've loved every moment of it, honestly. Um, editing it. Now that's another story. And if you write a bad, if you write a rough first draft, you have a lot more work in your editing. Sure. Um, editing is more of a work. That. And I, I think, and I think that comes down to the gratefulness that I really do view the opportunity I have to do this as a gift. Um, I don't have some special talent. I'm not the smartest person you're going to meet by any stretch. Um, I'm not the most creative person, but I've put my mind to doing something and I believe in my ability to do it. And I really believe that that's what I was put on planet earth to do. Um, I, I knew a long time ago what I was doing was not why I was here. Um, good at what I do, but it's not what I want to do for 20 years. And this is what I want to do now. Can this pay the bills? Can this provide some of that? Like people have said, the luck factor kicks in. I don't really believe sure. in luck. I believe in fate, um, more so, but that's out of my control. I can uh, mm -hmm. rule. Number one, I write the best book I can. That's the first thing I can do. Um, and that's once I get that part done, the other steps will come into place. Um, I'll have to hustle. I'll have to, you know, have a team that's going to help with it and social media and all the other stuff. But, um, the first, first yeah. job is to get that draft done and get that book out there. Um, and to me, it's exhilarating. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm definitely excited to have this book out. I'm excited to get back into writing more, um, and getting some of these other novels out of my head and out of the, the notes that I have on my phone and on my computer and everything. Um, right. just cause of that excitement that 
I, I don't put the writing above family or the experiences I've had having kids or just, uh, you know, kids and I went on a helicopter ride this weekend for my birthday. First time any of us have been in a helicopter and it was an amazing experience. And my daughter wanted to go again. Let's go tomorrow, daddy. It's like, eh, not going to happen. <laughs> Dad's got to pay for it. You going to pay? No, daddy. Yeah. Helicopter oh, rides aren't cheap. Sorry, I sweetie. <laughs> but they were, they were good. It was, a, it was a great experience. But, but I say that to, man, that experience of finishing that novel, every, I've done it four times now where I've completed a full novel. And, um, yeah, there's nothing like it. That, that exhilaration and that feeling, and it's a feeling of accomplishment. And that's, that's where I circle back to what I try to tell writers is finish that first draft. Don't quit. If you're going to do it for anyone, do it for yourself and not in a selfish manner. Um, but mm -hmm. if you don't do it for yourself, if, you, if, if you're a writer to please your spouse or to please your kids or a friend or whatever, um, you're probably going to be disappointed. They're going to disappoint you. If not every book, yeah. they'll disappoint you at some point. Um, so write that book for the accomplishment you will feel. Um, I can't stress that one enough either. Write that book I like to, that. to get that joy. Um, and I realize for some people it's not. I don't understand that. But um, most people, it is a pretty big sense of accomplishment and relief to finish. Yeah, finish that's good it. advice. I really think it is. Yeah. So um, what's in store for next year? Obviously, Breach of Trust is going to come out at some point. Um, yep, that's the plan. What's what's next? What's next? What's 2022 look like for Eric Bishop? Uh, so Eric's got to get on the horse and finish Breach of Trust. Um, I have another book about a third of the way done that I've not told many people about. Um, that's in the same universe, but it's not part of this series. Um, I really, it's a real timely book. Uh, it has a very strong female character. Uh, it has to do with what's going on right now in the world. And I'd like to really focus some attention. I wrote about a third of it before I got my book deal. Ever since I got the book deal, I haven't picked up that book again. I've so I, I wrote thirty something thousand words, and it's just sitting there on my computer. It's backed up in three or four spots, so I don't lose it. Um, I don't. I need to probably print off a copy and stick in my safe. But uh, I'd like to dive yeah. back into that one. I, I I need to focus on getting some of these books out because um, there's more coming, and I want more to come out. So that that's the plan. I hope to get some travel in. I hope the world's less weird. Um, although I've traveled quite a lot during this, um, not as much as I'd like or not as much as I had in the past, but uh, I've been fortunate just in my circumstances and where I live that I was not just, you know, stuck in my house and never seeing anybody. Um, I have definitely been, and I'm an outdoors person, so that's continued. Um, I've spent, a, if I don't have my kids, um, I'm normally out hiking. I've got a I moved recently, so I've got a, um, a national park land um, within about 15 minute drive. Um, it's not a big piece of land, but I can go walk three, four miles there and have hey, almost good. nobody there. So I can just piece. So I actually went and wrote there uh, last weekend. Um, I wrote I wrote a chapter there. Um, so, yeah, just try to keep doing that. Enjoy time with family. Enjoy time with friends. I've really got a, a blessed uh, um, uh, selection of friends that I that it really enriched my life and um, I enjoy spending time with um, when I can. So, so um, tell people where they can find you, where can they get the book? Where can they find more on Eric Bishop and how can they follow you on social media? Sure. So uh, easiest place to go is my website, ericpbishop.com. P stands for Paul, which is my middle initial. 
Um, I did get that question early on of, well, why don't you just call yourself Eric Bishop? Well, when I started writing in 2014, there was another Eric Bishop out there that had published, I think just one book, but had a website. And so I said, well, what am I gonna do? Um, and I'd always use my middle initial anyways on everything. I'd always signed with it. So to me, it was natural to just use the P for Paul. Um, yeah, if they go to my website, that will actually direct them to information about the books. That will actually send them to Amazon. Um, there's a link to Amazon there. Uh, if they go to social media, um, EPB author, which is my initials, um, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. So I'm on all the big social platforms. I one day hope to be on them a little bit less, but with all the book stuff, <laughs> people would probably be glad if I slow down on posting maybe in the next couple weeks. So, okay, we're sick of here. And I, I did hear that one time from someone. They're like, dude, you've been fucking the body, man, for so long. And it's like, well, what do you do? I mean, when you got a book. You out, have to be a shameless self-promoter when you're trying to sell something like this. And the amount this, of people just... that have come up to me just in the last few months and saying, oh, I, I didn't know anything about this book. It's like, I mean, I've been posting about it all year, but it just shows that, hey, I'm not showing up on everybody's feed. I'm not it's so easy to scroll, though. Yeah. I mean, you can scroll past it, too. It's like Absolutely. it's about timing and hitting. And yeah, I mean, social media is a monster. So it is uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Eric P. Bishop um, dot com. Dot com. Yes. Eric P. Bishop dot com. Uh, the body man is out as people are listening to this and watching this. Uh, the body man is out. It's go out. to your go local bookstore. Type in the body man. Yeah. Type in the body. Go man, to your Eric local bookstore. Go to your go to your local bookstore and uh, have them order you a copy. Uh, support those small bookstores. Um, if they can't for some reason, you can always hit up Amazon, Barnes yeah. and Noble. There's even smaller bookstores throughout the country that still do shipping. Um, yeah. So hit them up as well. Get yourself a copy of The Body Man. I promise it is five stars. It's a refreshing take on a thriller um, that I really enjoyed. Um, Eric, it's been a Pleasure having you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, I wish you the best. I know we'll stay in touch Absolutely. and we'll have more chats like this. We'll have to do, uh, you know, some uh, some roundtable type of talks sure. with new authors and stuff and, and kind of mix it up and have some fun. Absolutely. And, um, I'm hoping to make it out to a conference next year. So hopefully we can link up if you're at the same one and, uh, you know, we can do this again, maybe. Sounds good. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. All right, brother. Take care. You too. Take care.